Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin, and my guest today is a life strategist and success coach, Ms. Joy Cook. Thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you, me being here with you. Definitely. I, I, let me say first, I visited your page. Um, it's an excellent page. I, I like the content on it. It's really good. Thanks. You know, I, I actually, um, I'm kind of new to Instagram and I got into Instagram uh, maybe in late 2018, 2019, around that time frame of really trying to build, be on that social platform, which is just not my comfort area. So it took me a lot of adjusting um, from a business standpoint to get more comfortable and to, and to figure out what my flow was on that social media standpoint. So, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. That makes me Which one you my- like more? So I, I am more so on Instagram than anything else just because I wanted to, I wanted to take bites of the elephant versus chewing up the whole social media elephant. Um, I've been on Instagram more just because I wanted to get more familiar with it. My next, um, my next social social media venture is going to be LinkedIn. That's where I want to grow more of my platform as well. So LinkedIn, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. What do you? What, what are your thoughts on Facebook? So I have different feelings. I have mixed feelings about Facebook because. I remember using Facebook years ago, like aging myself, right? Like after MySpace Facebook type of, type of page. <laughs> aging myself. But when Facebook first came out, it was just different. And there's been so many changes. And I actually got off of social media for about a good four years. So all of the changes that took place in, in that time frame, I just look at it like like a foreigner or something like so mm-hmm. I haven't really I haven't really gotten comfortable with Facebook. Did you need a break from social media or I did need a break from social media. Um I needed a break because one thing that people don't understand all the time is that social media was created to keep you there, right? Like that's why there's the scroll and that's why there's you can't figure out what's going to pop up on your feed because the longer that they keep you there, the more that they make money. And it gets distracting and you don't realize, you don't realize through the scroll how much time you spend until you start scrolling. Like, let me just look on here real quick. And then before you know it, it's an hour <laughs> and a half, two hours later, and you don't wasted all this time and like you weren't productive because you spent your time. So I realized some years ago, I'm like, you know, I'm spending too much time here and there's nothing that's really adding value to who I want to become and what I want to do. So let me just pull myself back and let me gain more composure of my own time and productivity. And so I got off of it. And I'm pretty private anyway. So like a lot of things I was really on there just lurking, looking at other people, <laughs> <laughs> looking at other people's stuff for the main part. Um, I would post stuff every now and again, but I needed I needed some balance. It was it was it was unbalanced. I needed some balance, so I pulled myself off. Did you come back strictly for business reasons, or I came back strictly for business? Okay. Yeah. So, do you, so is it is it hard navigating social media only for business? Um. So when so when I say only for business, there is pleasure in there as well. So one of the things that really gets me with social media 
is them dang on ads. Like, <laughs> I, like they see me coming a mile away. Like, I'm scrolling these ads to pop up. I mean, it's something like there's something spooky, magical, or something in the background that happens because the moment that I talk about a thing, I get on social media and the ad pops up for that thing that I'm talking about. And I'm like, oh, how did they know I wanted a well, like? You got to remember, they got access to our mics. They got yeah, access to Yeah, I know. And it's and it's so spooky, yeah. but they get me because I'm like, oh, how did they know I want a light? Let me look at this light. Oh, they, 1997? They, they mastered that. <laughs> let, me, let me buy that 1997 light. Yeah. So I think so more of the business, there is... There, there are parts of pleasure that also play um, in the role of, one, those ads. And two, my business is not only business, but it's also personal. Because for me, my business is really about connection and connecting with people. And that's a personal part. Like, you know, I really take, um, I really take honor in in the connections that I make. And I don't want them to be... I'm more driven by connections over contacts. You can have a, a million of contacts that reach out to you or that connect to you or that are in your phone or what have you. But how much can you have a connection? Even though that connection with people may not be on a daily basis, I have like a almost like a visual memory of some sort. Like when I see something and I engage with it or if I write a note and have some exchange with someone... I can at least remember something about them if I see them kind of pop up and I can kind of keep that connection going. So it's really about the connection that ties to my business of, of what I do. I took, um, like I said, I follow your page. So I made sure to read your blog. And the first thing that jumped out at me was you said you hated your name. I did. You got to talk I, about that more because I your did. name is Joy. I know, but so I am a native Washingtonian and I come from the urban parts of Washington, D.C. And there is this um, almost like the stigma. So my um, name is Joy Shamika and Shamika is more so that like urban <laughs> type of like has a little has a little sp- jazz and spazzazz to it. However, not many people not many people knew like Joy. My family, certain people in my family called me Joy, and certain people who knew my name was Joy was called me Joy. But I didn't like it because I preferred Shamika because I didn't understand the depth of what Joy really meant. It almost um, I used to get teased as a kid of being the quote unquote like white girl type of type of girl <laughs> and like. Shamika gave me more of that cultural connection than than Joy did. But so here's the thing that kind of happened. It's so funny. Um, So I, I would go by Shamika in 2011 ish, 10 to around 2010, 2011 ish. I lost, lost my job. I was working at um, BET and BET got bought out by Viacom, and there was a restructuring. I had to get back in the job market. I had worked there for about five or six years. Um, I had to get back into the job market, and I was using Shamika. And using Shamika, I just wasn't getting the responses that I wanted to get on my resume, right? Oh. So my dad was like, well, why don't you use Joy? Like, and I would use Joy on certain things, but not everything, um, just because a lot of people just didn't know me by Joy. But I was like, all right, well... 
it doesn't hurt but to try. <laughs> Let me tell you, Lance. The moment that I put Joy S. Cook on my resume, back to back, back to back, uh. back to back, back to back. So then I started to I started to embrace it. However, during those moments of transitioning to using Joy, um, for me, Joy is an experience. Joy is something that really um, showed its purpose to me and what my purpose was in life. Because it took me, joy isn't something that you just get just because you're happy. It took me through some dark times and some dark spaces to really dig into like who I am and why I am and and all the parts that's connected to me. And it was it was the joy that I tapped into to help me kind of rebirth and and reform through those hard times in order for me to realize what my true calling was. And the more that I tapped into joy, the clearer it became. All the clouds began to kind of clear out. All the murkiness that was there began to clear. And then I fully began to develop into fully who I was meant to be, which is joy. So had that layoff not happened, it's a good chance you may never be using the name joy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my family members and close people, you know, close friends called me joy, but I was like, all right, like, <laughs> but I'm Shamika. Like, <laughs> but yes, it was it was through those it was through that moment of transition that shifted me to um, really embrace um, that part of me that I hid because it was just unfamiliar. I hid because I was brought up and used to more of the urban type of um, living, and then the more that got exposed, the more I became. Um, more acclimated into corporate America, the more I kind of climbed the corporate ladder and got more exposed, more exposure to lots of different um, rooms and chairs and places. Um, it just began to make more sense. And it's easier for someone to spell joy than it is for them to spell Shamika, which is also, <laughs> which is also um, urbanly spelled. <laughs> Let's talk about your, um, your, your brand. Inspiring yes. joy. I so, want you to get into that. Yeah. So inspiring joy actually stands for joy stands for the journey of you. So when you see inspiring joy, it's about inspiring the journey of you. And that also comes from the whole story I told you about my journey to joy. All of us are on a journey, this journey called life. And it was and in this journey called life, there has to be inspiration while we're along the way. And this was just something that just I don't know, like God just revealed to me as I went through that own, my own cocoon process of my butterfly process, it became like part of that, that part of that process. So inspiring joy um, came about and inspiring joy stands for inspiring the journey of you. My whole mission is to help um, inspire the journey of others and really have others not just live life to live life, but live life to fully be part of it and, and do amazing things and live it and with success and live it with hope and live it with accomplishing goals and live it with elevating ourselves and evolving. So that's where inspiring joy comes about. One of the other things you mentioned on your blog, you mentioned getting married at 18. I was like, good grief. At 18. What was going through your mind at that point? (laughs) So... Um, in high school, I had dreams and hopes of, you know, going to college and doing things. However, um, over the course of 
my choices and decisions, I end up getting pregnant in my 12th grade year of high school. And um, I graduated from high school. I literally walked across the stage with a big old belly um, for my graduation, my 12th grade graduation. And after that, um, at the time, who became my husband, um, we had this kid and kind of the way that I was raised, I was raised in church. I was raised by a um, religious family who kind of quote unquote had this idea of what you're quote unquote supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it. So you're supposed to get married and have a kid. However, I did it backwards. I had a kid and it was like, um, at the time I, who is my ex now, he wanted to marry me. And I was like, he asked me a couple of times and I said, all right, like, let's do it. Let's do it the right way. Like, you know, let's, let's try to change the course of this narrative and we got married at 18. Um, and yes, that was scary. That was, however, it was scary, but I was also, this is the thing that, you know, you learn about your certain, certain people have leadership qualities that are innate to them. However, when you're young, you really don't know how to maximize and use your leadership qualities in a way that's going to best serve you. So part of my um, leadership qualities or, or some characteristics about myself, I'm a little bit of a rebel, let me prove you wrong, that I can do it type of thing. So there were people who was like, oh, you shouldn't get married too young. And I'm like, let me prove you. Let me prove you wrong. You can't tell me what you can't tell me what I'm going to do and what I can't do. So um, I got married. I got married. Um, I wasn't in love. I loved at the time. I loved my um, my then boyfriend, soon to be husband. But I wasn't in love. I just don't believe that you really know what love is at that tender age. One, you don't know. You don't know yourself, right? You haven't even the the scientific the Phonetic parts of you as a human haven't even fully developed and you haven't got a chance to love yourself. And um, so I knew I wasn't in love with him, but I loved him. But I also wanted to do what I quote unquote thought was the right thing. And I wanted to prove people people wrong. Um, However, I would I would say this. It it is my um, advice that I don't believe that anybody should get married before like 25 is pushing it but i would say like 27 like i think there should be like a law that people shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) i think it should be like a legal law that people just shouldn't get married at that young of an age i just think that there are things um developmentally there are things um personally there are things as humans when we become adults we step into this place of adulthood that becomes new, but it's new, but it's also a duplicated um, depiction of that which you come from. So you're coming into adulthood, but you're just a replica of your parents. You're a replica of your environment. You're a replica of all this that you have experienced and you have accumulated over the years. And there comes a point of true adulthood where you realize who you are as a person, who you are as an individual. And that typically takes going through some self-reflection. It typically takes going through some self-inventory. It also takes unlearning the things you learned from people who were dealing with their own trauma. It also takes relearning the things that are best for you and your environment and things you're going and things that you want out of life versus 
just jumping into it. So I think that as, as young adults, I think every young adult should go through a process of transitioning into adulthood. Yeah, by law, you're an adult or you're legal at the age of 21. But there's so much more to that than just turning 21 and being able to go out and drink. Right. Like, you know, there's the mindset. There's just certain things as as a young person of um, which typically doesn't happen a lot in our communities of color of teaching about um, financial literacy. How can how do you sustain or how do you provide for yourself or what does money mean and how do you use it to your benefit? What is credit and how do you use it to help you move forward? What type of job do you have? And are, do you just have a job or do you have a career? Where do you want to be in when you turn 30, what do you want life to look like? How are you putting things in place to support that? And that doesn't mean that you can't have a partner while you're doing that, but every person should have a sense of individuality while they're going through that young phase to really figure out who they are so they can stop becoming dependent on them being who they are based on somebody else, right? Based on somebody else loving them or caring for them or whatever, however you want to shape it. Your dad was in the picture. What did he have to say about the situation? So funny thing, my dad, um, so my dad is a pastor, right? I'm a PK. Um, <laughs> I know, it makes the story even more interesting. Um, my dad is a person who is like, I want the best for you, but I know that there are things that you're just going to have to learn on your own. Mm-hmm. Like, so it was like, this is what you're going to do. All right. Then, then Did do it. And I approve? Huh? Did anybody approve of the marriage? I mean, they, not that they didn't disapprove. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they didn't disapprove or approve. So nobody can't, I don't, I don't recall. I, and maybe I might've blocked it out. I don't know, but I don't recall anybody coming to me saying, don't do this. Because of X, Y, and Z. I don't recall anybody saying that. Like, What would have happened if they did? I probably would have been like, don't tell me what to do. But <laughs> What if it was your, what if, because your father, your father's a preacher. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to him, but I don't, I don't want to talk for him, but I feel like I'm talking for him. So I'm going to say uh, it. No, go ahead and say it. Now he knows you was making a mistake. I think that he did. But because of his position in the church, the opticals looked good, so he just went along with it? I don't know if he, like, went along with it. You know, I don't know. Maybe I have to have a conversation with him about that. I don't know. That's something great for me to to start that, that conversation to get more insight from his perspective. I don't think that it was like, I know this is wrong, but, like, I wanted to look right type of thing. Like he knew, like he knew who I was as a person though, right? Like I've always been this um very opinionated, um, I'm not gonna be taken advantage of, I'm not gonna have somebody pull me and force me. I'm gonna make choices and decisions on my own, regardless who you are and what you think. Like I wanna figure it out on my own, even if that means figuring it out and falling. Like I would rather fall and learn than to have somebody put puppet strings on me and have me do it their way. So I think he just knew, I think he just knew that. Um, 
Yeah, I think. <laughs> at the, I mean, at the time, I mean, of course, looking back, you could you would better answer this question. But I want you said you kind of forgot some things, but I want to know if you could remember at the time. Did you feel like you knew what you were signing up for? So, 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 kind of, kind of, I did. So, I, um, I have like a, I have like an old person's soul. I have like an old person's wisdom. And I was probably more um, mature and further along mentally at that age than probably most most of my peers were at that age. So, like, at the time, like, I knew what I was signed up for. I come from a family of, and I think this is the, another dynamics as well. Um, I come from a family who are all married, right? I, so my grandparents, they've been married for 66 years. My parents have been married for some 40 five years. Aunts and uncles have been married for 40 plus years. Um, so there's just a lot of marriage examples around me. Um, so I had good insight on what it took to be married. And when I was married though, I gave it 110%. Like I was like your Martha Stewart wife at like (laughs) 19, at 19 years old. Right. Um, However, being married that young, there was still things that I had to learn. There was still, there's, and, and granted, I don't care what age you get married at. Doesn't matter if you get married at 19 or if you're getting married at 49. There are still things that you have to learn about marriage and your partner and being married together, no matter what age. There are still ups and downs and trials and tribulations that you're going to go through. There's still ways in which you have to learn what your flow and what your dance is with your partner versus what you think in your own mind. So you have two people who have two, two different ways of being, two different ways of living, two different ways of growing up, and you come together as one. You got to figure out what your rhythm is, no matter what age you are. It's just a lot more difficult to figure that out when you're young because you're still also developing as a young person. Now I'm not saying that I'm not saying that getting married young doesn't work. I'm just saying that it takes it takes a lot. Like it It takes it takes a lot to it takes a lot. Like it's just (laughs) trust me, I know what you're saying because I got married at twenty three. So I know Yeah, it takes it takes a lot. Like and I mean at twenty and in your twenties well, you know, back in the day, I maybe it may be different these days or, or something. But one, you're not making money. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're struggling most most times and not. So you also got this other individual. One, you got to get to know yourself that you're having a struggle figuring out because you don't fully know you yet. You got to get to know this other person who don't fully know themselves yet. Then you got to figure out what you guys are like together because you don't know that yet, then you don't have no money, so you got to figure that out. You haven't established a stable career yet because you're still young and it's, a time is against you. So there's just a lot of things that you have to figure out that... Yeah. It, listen, that makes, I, we we, <laughs> we had a lot of uh, trial and error over this. Year. Yeah. Look, that's what it's that's what it's all about. And it's all about trial and error, but it's all about trial and error, but still being attached to what the goal and the focus is. I agree. I agree with what you're saying. It because it's it's it, it's really no perfect age, because I hear what you're saying. There but isn't. The only the only 
the only thing about that is the the crazy part is because we were trying to figure so many things out. It was like we was trying to figure them out together. You grow, you grow stronger. Yeah. So that's yeah. the thing. So it's like, but it but that growing stronger though, like it's like it's almost like going to the gym to work out, right? You're going to the gym to work out. And when you go to the gym to work out, if you know anything about kind of working out and getting healthy and building muscle, in order to build a muscle, the muscle has to tear down. And then you have to work to rebuild the muscle. And I think it's like you're, you're going through it together and you're working to rebuild. But that working part, it takes, it takes a little bit of extra Jesus or something. <laughs> I, I never said it was easy. <laughs> However, I am an advocate. I am an advocate of love. I'm an advocate of relationship. I just wish that as people, we did a better job of ensuring that we were building healthy, um, prosperous relationships, that we were putting things in place. Just because sometimes we think we know what relationships are. We think we know what it takes. We think that, oh, I love this person. And, like, because I love them, this relationship is going to work. Well, as Tina Turner said, what love got to do with it, right? (laughs) There's so much more that's involved in relationships, more than love. There's so much more. You got to understand what your values are as individuals, what your values are as a couple, what your your focus is, which, you know, what you got to have a family vision and a family mission. What are we working towards, because then you can build together. And you got to have commitment, right? Like, commitment to say, hey, come hella high water, we're going to work this thing out. Come hella high water, we're going to... And, and it often takes, and so many people may be opposed to it or may think differently, but I am am a believer that everybody should go through counseling. Like... Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everybody should go through counseling. Like... Unfortunately, it usually happens when... That's... So <laughs> I know when it's too late, be like, oh no, we we no, we done. No, we're, we're done. We're done. And- yeah. <laughs> Somebody sitting there with a little with a little mean face and the other person with their arms folded. Like, yeah, that's I think counseling should happen definitely before like counseling should happen when things are good. Yeah. You you mentioned I'm glad you talked about relationships because that was something I wanted to talk about. I you love this did. topic. You says you said something about making room for a relationship. Is there a way that you actually can do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I believe that in order to make room for a relationship, relationship first starts with self. Oftentimes we're bypassing the relationship with self and we're trying to jump into making room for a relationship with other people. But you have to make relationship with room for a relationship with self first. When you make room for a relationship with self, you figure out what it is you like, what it is you don't like, what your values are, what you stand for, what type of relationships you want to have, what that means to you, what are your boundaries, what are your triggers, like all these things. And when you do that, you get very clear about the type of relationships that you want to create. You get very clear about things that you tolerate and things that you don't tolerate. You get very clear about what serves you best and how you can serve others best. When you make room for relationships, you have to be intentional. Relationships are intentional, right? You can't call a person a friend and never become a friend to that person, right? Like in so many times we throw this word off of of friends very loosely. 
Um, and I think that there are levels to there's there's levels, <laughs> there's, there's levels to it. I just want to I do want to preference that there's levels to, to friendship, but friendships evolve when you make room for it. Like, you know, if I open up space to be a little bit more vulnerable with you, most most times than not, another person will take that and they will make a little step towards vulnerability as well. When you open up and you avail yourself to give in a relationship another person will also open themselves up to give a little bit more in a relationship. When you open up space to maybe make more phone calls or to check in or call, someone will take notice of that, and then they'll also begin to reciprocate, like, oh, she's called me, let me call her back, you know what I mean? Like, or these things. So when you make room for it, and even when we talk about making room for relationships with our kids, it's very important when you have kids that you make room for a relationship with your kids um, oftentimes we think that because we, and this is not for everybody, but a lot of times, um, this is something that I hear that comes up in my work is that just because a parent buys you something or just because a parent has a roof over the head, oftentimes there are things that we need, like our human needs that aren't being met. And those things that are, that aren't being met are usually intangible things that we have to make room for. Sometimes your kid just wants you to talk with them. Sometimes your kid just wants your time. Presence from a parent is more powerful and more important than anything. Like creating that space and that time, even if that means like going for a walk or going to get ice cream or doing something that doesn't really involve let me buy you off. Because as parents, when we buy off our kids, our kids then become adults that buy off other adults or that or that can easily be bought off themselves with getting all of their values and all of their foundational principles overlooked because of being bought off versus having that intention of making room of relationships, of time, attention, understanding the needs of this particular human, no matter who, who that human is, but making room and making time for that human to, um, to build relationships. And it's Let's trust and safety. Let's talk about your trip to Santa Clara, California. You yeah. mentioned that was a, a life-changing trip for you. Life-changing. So this was about, um, this was after BET. Um, I got this, I got a job at this IT consulting firm. And at the IT consulting firm, um, I was, um, maybe a accounting their accounting manager and I accounting manager in like business operations. And in that company I kind of was uh I wore a lot of hats and the CEO at the time had double booked himself. And he double booked himself and he's supposed to go to a conference in in California. And he asked me, he said, Can you go to this conference for me? Because I double booked myself and I don't want to lose the money that I put for this conference. Like, you know, can you go get whatever information, absorb whatever you can absorb, bring it back and let me know. Of course, I'll go. Like, it's California. At this time, I've never been to California. However, I've never been to California before since then. And I was a single mom, so I did not get to travel at all, being a mom, <laughs> being a mom of three kids. So, um, so I went to this conference. It was like a three-day conference. The conference literally changed my life. At that moment, changed my life. I go into this conference, and it was called the, um, I still have the, the CDs from it, the um, Experts Academy. It was the Brenda Richard, Brenda Richard Expert, um, Expert Academy um, 
conference. At this conference, I go in there and there's about 700 to 800 people in the room. And when I walk in the room, I look around and there are literally a handful of people of color. Mm. A handful. Like out of like 700, 800 people, I can literally point out and I can count the number of people of color in the room. Um, and when I say people of color, I'm talking about African-American people of color. Right, right, right. Um, and as I was sitting there at that conference, there was so much goodness being shared. There was all of this information about business, about success, about habits, about um, positioning yourself, about financial literacy, about investing, about compound interest, about return on investments, about like all this stuff about communication, about networking, about um, how to build human capital, just all leadership and all this great stuff. And I'm sitting there like a kid in a candy store, like soaking it all up. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is great. But how come I never got exposed to this information? How come people in my community aren't talking about financial literacy, aren't talking about savings and retirements and investments and business and entrepreneurship and really not entrepreneurship as we talk about it by passing the time. Somebody saying they are entrepreneur, no pun to anybody, but somebody <laughs> saying that they're an entrepreneur because they shall sell shirts out their trunk, right? Like I'm talking about like real meaty information that takes you from step to next level to next level to next level. I'm in a room with entrepreneurs who are having revenue of millions of dollars. Like I worked for a company that had revenue of millions of dollars. So like I'm in the, again, my CEO of the company was supposed to be here. So I'm in this room with all of these business people, entrepreneurs, multi-million dollar businesses. And I'm like, something, like there's some disconnect somewhere. And I don't know what it is. And I also um talked to this guy who was there so I'm going to say two things. One guy was there. His name was Darren Hardy. Darren Hardy, like, I magnetized towards him. The way that he articulated, the way he talked, the information that he shared, the confidence that he exuded, everything. At the time, he was, like, editor of Success Magazine. And if you don't know who Darren Hardy is, I would implore every person to go check him out. He does these things called Darren Dailies. Every day he gives this information. It's not like this. It's not like frou-frou, let's inspire you and let's jump up and down. Like that's not the type of information. This is like really applicable information that you can apply in your life to become better. And his kind of mantra is like become better every day. Be the exception, right? Like so many people don't fall into that category, I must say. Um, but he I, he literally like that was he was the guy who who did it for me. But there was this other guy there. His name was um Godemeyer, Godemer was his last name. He wrote this book, like the Red Books of Sales or the Black Little Black Book of Sales or something like that. I actually had a conversation. We um spoke over one of the breaks, and I was talking to him about my story. We were just kind of sharing, and he said, "You need to write a blog. You need to start a blog." At that time, I had no idea what no dang going blog. Well, again, this was like <laughs> 2011, right? A blog? What is a blog? He was like, write a blog. It's just when you write about your journey and your experience of being a single mom of girls. And so many people will resonate that. You can talk about your day-to-day -day and what you do and your challenges and blah, 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 blah. And I heard him, but I had didn't have enough knowledge and enough connection to what he was saying. 
that I didn't do anything with it. Like it was in me, like I heard that the seed was planted, but I also had this, these other, my seed was planted, but it was full of doubt, unknown. I wasn't, didn't have the right people around me. I wasn't having anybody who was in this space. I really fully didn't understand it. So I kind of let it die. Can you imagine if I would have jumped on that in 2011, 10 years ago? What that could have been today? In the time, it wasn't right. That's how I go. It it wasn't, but I'm it's like it, it it like it like shocks the hell out of me now when I think about it. Like we, and the thing is, we are all presented with things that are connected to our purpose. And if you take a moment back, you can look back over your journey of life, and you can realize all the opportunities that came knocking at your door. You can realize all the people who who were connectors to your purpose that one, you wasn't ready for, you were afraid, you were scared. There were other blockers. You were distracted. You weren't focused or whatever it was, or you didn't have the right environment or resources around you in order to tap into it. But those things consistently come back. Whatever your purpose and whatever your purpose and your plan in life is, it continually comes to you. It repeats itself like, and you can't get away from it. Um, so that particular conference changed my life because it was what got me into really highly into personal development, professional development, really understanding what that is and diving in deep into making sure that I was making a difference in my life and not just my life, but my kids' life and doing things different for them. So my kids actually, I called them, I say that they were my first coaching clients. Like they, they were like my, they were my first coaching clients and I have a, um, my own theory on, on parenting. I believe that, um, one as parents, our kids are not our possessions. So many times as parents, we go through this phase and this journey of life and we hold on to our kids like they're possessions, but they're only was given. They only were given to us for a short time from God for them to do their own work and their own purpose. And sometimes as parents, we are the main blockers to our kids fully walking to our to their purpose because we want to overshadow and we want to be all over instead of allowing them to evolve. So when my kids were little, like when they're little, you 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 are that. Like you set the foundation, you set the principles, you give them the right start, you give them the right foundation. When they come become around 11, 12, 13 years old, that age range, really more so like 13, 14, you have to start changing your parenting style. You should have already put in the foundational principles that at this stage right now, you're not directing them and telling them what to do, but you're guiding them and you're coaching them. It's like being a coach on the basketball. So I coach basketball and lacrosse um, for my kids' high school. So it's like being a coach. Like, I can't get out there and play the game for you, and I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch you play. You have the fundamentals now. You know how to dribble the ball. You know how to go up and down a court. You know how to shoot. You know how to do a layup versus a jump shot versus a free throw. You know the fundamentals. Like, let me see how you actually play it in the game. I'm going to be on the sideline. I'm going to tell you, oh, no, there's an open pass to the left. There's an open pass to the right. You make the choice and decision because you're in the game. But it's not for me to get in and to take the ball and say, no, here, this is where it goes. This is where it goes. Like, we have to do a better job of equipping our kids to be successful and contributors to this journey called life because you have and you have to equip them like wean them into their process you can't wait and then all of a sudden they're 18 and you're like all right go go out there in the world go on go out there be an adult now like 
but mom and dad, you didn't get, you didn't allow my wings to grow in for me to go out there. And I don't know what to do. And it's scary. And now I got to figure this out on my own because now I'm a quote unquote adult. Like you have to start that process when they become, when they become teenagers to equip them with every, the confidence, the resilience, the education, the guidance, all those things when they are teenagers so they can become an advocate for themselves and they can pursue the things and they're calling for their own purpose, not for yours. I'm sure we both on social media and you know, there's a lot of life coaches. <laughs> there are. It's noisy out there. What, what, make, what makes you different? What sets you apart from the group? So what sets me apart is that I want to, I want to provide some clarity on what coaching is um, and what coaching is not. This terminology coached is used in such a broad range of, of terminology. So people are health coaches, people are business coaches, people are branding coaches, people are money coaches, people are, it's all different. You can, anybody can be a coach, right? And the thing is why it's so heavily, heavily used and noisy in the market is because it's not regulated. It's not a market that's regulated from some higher um, federal organization or, or licensing board, but there is some compliance to it. So what separates me is that I'm a life strategist and success coach. And what coaching is, is not someone telling you what to do or how to do it. That's called consulting, right? Mm-hmm. It's not therapy. Therapy is um, dealing with your past trauma and and wounds and going through a healing process is not that um coaching is not mentoring either like a mentor is a mentor like you know coaching is getting on a journey and partnering with your clients for them to reach their fullest potential personally and professionally and that's that's going through a process of coaches good coaches um one have been trained Good coaches are not saying just because I um, am a good, I give good advice to my friends, then I can be a coach. That's not what a coach is. Coaching is a way of being intuitive about your listening, knowing certain things and knowing how to not lead your client, but help to assist, assist your client on reaching the goals. It's not you setting the goals for them. It's them setting the goals from themselves and then creating the strategies and the pathways to figure out what their blockers are, what their limiting beliefs are, what's holding them back, and how they can move forward. But how they can move forward, because all of us have the answers within ourselves. It's just that sometimes we need someone else to help us through that process to clear out all of the muddiness that could be involved with all of these things called life that are there. How do you, how do you, it's how you basically strategically take all the pieces that are floating around in the sky, almost like a game of chess. You put in all the pieces and all the pieces that move, they move towards a purpose. They move towards their particular things. And sometimes um, joining with the coach one is probably the, one of the best things that anybody can do. A good coach. I mean, to change that. <laughs> a good coach. Because I'm not saying that you need to have a certification, but you should have a certification and you should have a certification from a reputable, um, a reputable organization that has taken you through hours of training that has taken you through hours of, um, of education and giving you tools and resources and understanding the tech, the 
the wording of what certain things mean and how they are and being part of a greater um, organization or association where you can continue your growth, where you can continue your education. No different than as an accountant, you know, I'm an accountant by profession. As an accountant, um, there's many different hats that an accountant can can wear and they all don't do the same thing and don't wear the same thing however you're involved in knowing what the new regulations are knowing what tax regulations are knowing you know how to what a financial statement is and what it means and what it does and how to monitor your cash flow how to know what your net profit is how to do projections like all these things the same thing goes on in coaching you have to be involved in something in an organization or something you should this is my belief an association that's helping you to be better. And as a coach, you can only take your clients as deep and as far as you have been. Like, in order to really get that full experience of being a coach, it's about transformation. And if you haven't gone through a transformation yourself, if you haven't really understood what coaching is and the impact of it, you shouldn't be coaching. You should do a little bit more work before you get into that business. So what separates me is that one, I'm joy. Like there's no, one, <laughs> there's no one, there's no one out there like me. We all have our own superpowers. When you have an experience with me, it's going to be experience. It's my mission that when someone talks to me, that I hold space for them, that they feel seen, heard, and valued, and that they feel like, and they feel like, and they understand, they know without question that they matter and what they want matters, and that I am there to hold that space for them for the best for them. Like, I just believe we all have greatness in us. We all have awesome things in us. However, you've only gotten to where you've gotten to because only what you know. You don't know anything beyond this point. You haven't experienced life beyond this point. Like, but being able to expand beyond your own perspective. I said something today in my stories. Um, you can only expand to the extent of which you're exposed. You can't expand beyond anything that you're not exposed to. So if you're not exposed to the more, to the greater, to the opportunities, to the possibilities, to all that's available, you'll stay stuck in the same old rut. If you're not exposed to different a different network, different people, different activities, different things, you'll think that this is it. One of the terms that I really um, don't like and kind of despise is when people say, like, this is just who I am. <laughs> nah, Why don't y'all. you like it? Uh, nah, it's not who you are. Let's be very clear. If you want to say this is who I am, let's change the terminology. Say this is who I just settle on being. Uh, right. Okay. This is this is this is all. I'm not willing to do any more work beyond this. This is all. This is all the work I'm going to do. This is all I'm going to get, and that's it. If you say that to me, I can accept that. Like, but I can't accept. This is just who I am. No, let's change that. This is who you choose to be. And if you choose to be mediocre, if you choose to be ordinary, if you choose to play at the bottom, the bottom of the barrel, then admit that. Yeah. <laughs> you asked a bunch of great questions on your on your platform. So I want to close asking you a question. Yes. Will you stay the same or are you going to reset? No, I would not say the same. This journey is about becoming. We are all humans becoming. And in that particular process, that takes a reset consistently, daily. Every level requires something different from us. You can't do the same things as level one and as the same things in level three. 
There are different things that we have to um, take on. There are different things that we have to evolve to. There are different places and different ways we have to contribute and we have to give and we have to receive. So we are never at the point where this is it. We're continuously resetting and we're resetting based on what we want. And right now, like I know the thing that I am working towards. I know, you know, my focus is when I get there, when I accomplish having those things, it's time for me to reset. What's my next level? It's time for me to reset. What's my next level? And how can I always, I'm always in a state of how can I become better? And not just better for me, but better for all the pieces of the puzzle that I'm connected to. We're all pieces of a puzzle. And all of our pieces is connected to somebody else. So I often like am in this mindset. I had this, this kind of um, dream the other night of um, in the Bible... I'm not, I'm not a Bible scholar, even though my dad's a preacher. I'm not a Bible <laughs> scholar, right? But in the Bible, it says something like, you know, um, what God says to somebody, like, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? Like, I had this dream of, like, almost like this, almost like a nightmare that I, I met God, and God took me through this process of saying, so, Joy, like, hey, this is where I gave you opportunity. This is, like, showing me, like, all the opportunities that he gave me and all the way that they were connected to other people. And he was like, these are all the things you passed on. These are all things you, you didn't do. And because of this, it affects everybody else that's connected to it. Like, and, that, and, like, that was like, you know, I know that I don't want to leave this life not contributing 100% of everything that I had to contribute. And I want to get to a place where not when I die and go to heaven, but I want to live life where God says to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Like you're giving of yourself and you're contributing and you're helping to be the piece to somebody else's puzzle because somebody else was also the piece to my puzzle. Like, so I just want to do my heart, my part to keep the cycle going, to keep it moving. So I'm always becoming, I'm a human becoming. We all are. I'm always resetting because I will not be ordinary. I will always be extraordinary. Well, let me take this time to tell you thank you for being a piece on my journey. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's truly been an honor. Um, you got a lot of high energy. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And I want to make sure that you give the people a chance to let them know how they can follow you and how they can interact with you. So I can uh, be reached on all platforms at Inspiring Joy Inc., um, that's I-N-C. Um, I can also be found on my website, which is inspiringjoyinc.com. Um, and on LinkedIn, I think I'm at Inspiring Joy Inc., but if not, I'm at Joy S. Cook on LinkedIn and all the other social platforms. So you can definitely find me on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram. My 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 name is uh, conversations underscore with underscore lamp. That's my Instagram. My Facebook is also conversations with lamp. I want to take this time to thank everyone who listened to the podcast and continue to support me. I truly appreciate it. Again, thank you, Joy, for joining me. Y'all have a great day. Thank you.